Hello and welcome to another episode of Building Digital Community. I'm your host, Chirag Sheth, and I'm an MBA student at the DeGroote School of Business at McMaster University. Building a sense of community during this global pandemic has been a challenge for everyone. Since March of 2020, it's definitely been harder to start or build new relationships with people, with many of us working or studying remotely. Well, that's exactly why I want to start this podcast. Building Digital Community is all about diving deeper into a person's story with the goal of building genuine relationships and stronger community in an increasingly digital world. Make sure to follow us at Building Digital Community on Instagram or reach out to me directly on LinkedIn or on Twitter at ChiragShath24. On this episode of the podcast, we're welcoming Andriana Lukic. Andriana is the Director of Digital Solutions at St. Joseph's Healthcare Hamilton. She holds an HPSC in kinesiology and an MBA from McMaster University, a PMP certification, and is ProSci Change Management certified. Throughout her decade of healthcare experience, she's held multiple roles, all focused on leading change initiatives and supporting staff through transformational projects. The digital projects she has championed include enabling virtual care between patients and providers, rapidly developing a COVID-19 screening tool for staff, patients, and visitors, creating a citywide patient self-scheduling tool to support booking of COVID-19 tests, and supporting an implementation of COVID-19 assessment centers. Andriana's commitment to digital transformation has attracted and spurred innovation across Canada. Welcome to the podcast, Andriana. And without further ado, let's get going. Hey, Andriana, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Trug. So nice to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Pretty good. It's uh, 6.15 on a Thursday, so looking forward to Friday and getting getting on with the weekend for sure, too. Yeah, a long weekend, too. I, I It totally snuck up on me that this was a long weekend. I had no idea this time uh, last week. Yeah, a long weekend and lots of Olympics to watch, so it should be a good oh, one. Oh, for sure, for sure. Is there a favorite like Olympic event um, that you have for the Summer Olympics? So I played uh, rugby growing up, so okay. certainly love watching the women's uh, sevens right now, which is good to watch, and then swimming is always a good classic, so awesome. can't, can't complain, lots to watch, and always want to cheer on Team Canada. Oh, for sure. It's interesting that you mentioned uh, the sevens because someone from my high school is on the Olympic uh, Olympic uh, women's sevens team. No way. Uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah. We got a game tonight at 830. They're playing oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So we'll- I may, uh, I'll probably, I'll try and tune into that. It's my plan after this. I'm going to cheer them on. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, that kind of starts off the rapid fire for us. I wasn't planning on going the Olympic route, but I'm, I'm happy that we, uh, we covered that one. Um, so I got a couple other rapid fire questions for you. Um, Go first for one, uh, Tim Hortons or Starbucks? Ooh, uh, star Starbucks, but, uh, Tim Hortons is a staple at the hospital. We have three of them. Okay. So I, I consume more Tim Hortons than I'd like Starbucks mm-hmm. if I have the option. Okay, cool. Um, what is the first musical like CD that you ever bought? I was talking about this the other day with my cousin. Uh, so oh, yeah. I received two CDs at the okay. same time, gifted to me from my mom from HMV. So mm-hmm. Aqua and Backstreet Boys. Okay, um, nice. I, the first BSB album and the first Aqua album. I don't remember what they were called, but they uh, they were in rotation for quite some time. <laughs> nice, I love it. Um, would you rather go to IKEA or Costco? Costco. Yes, I'm on board. Okay, good. Yeah, I've, I'm 100%. I'm going to Costco. I'm sad that they don't have the free. Well, maybe they're bringing free samples. They're back. coming back. The samples coming are back. coming back, I've been told. Yeah. <laughs> That's good to know. That's uh, That was always my favorite thing at Costco. That was really the reason I went to Costco um, you know, to collect all of them. 
it's a smart, it's a smart play. It gets mm-hmm. you right at the, right at the aisle. No, for sure. Um, what is your favorite dessert? Oh, this is, a tough this one. is rapid fire. I'm just going to be <laughs> fast here. Um, you know what? Like classic ice cream is always a go-to. I'm a big mm. mint chocolate chip ice cream fan. So we'll go with that for favorite dessert. I like it. I feel like mint chocolate chip or mint flavored lots of things are sometimes polarizing. They are so polarizing. But I love mint chocolate chip. Like I agree with you 100%. That's probably my if it's not my favorite flavor, it's at least in the like the top 3. Yeah, it's an it's a strong strong flavor. Are you a cilantro person? That's no. another polarizing no, one. Not yeah, really. see, people are a yay or nay on that one. All right. I feel like with cilantro, one of my exes like hated cilantro, so I was always fine with it, but it was I feel like I just learned to avoid it because because of that made its way out of your diet. That's yeah. fair enough. Yeah, exactly. And then last rapid fire I have for you. Um, hot dogs. Do you consider them sandwiches? I, I would say that they are a sandwich. Okay. There's two pieces of bread, dog in the middle. You can yeah. put condiments on it. It counts. <laughs> yes. All right. I, uh, I respectfully disagree, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's all right. I, someone sent me, uh, I forget who said this, but, um, they consider hot dogs more of tacos because of, because of like the shape, I guess, which I see, but I also, I feel like there's something very wrong about calling a hot dog, a taco. Do you, would you consider a taco a sandwich? This is an interesting one. Ooh, no, but no, I wouldn't. Um, yeah, I don't think I could, but like a burrito. No, still no. Still no. Yeah. It's Do you? too many sides of bread. I've never contemplated it until just now. <laughs> so I mean, no, these are but the, it, uh, these are gray zones that we're getting into mm-hmm. here. So, uh, someone these are the hard, hitting sure. questions we ask on, uh, on the podcast. <laughs> these are the best questions. These are, yeah. these are the ones that matter. You know? Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, well, thank you for, uh, for, for participating in that rapid fire, for getting into the gray zone a little bit with, uh, with some of those answers. Um, and yeah, so I guess moving into the next part of the podcast, I think that, you know, our listeners heard a little bit about you and your journey, uh, through, through the intro, um, but, you know, just in our own, in your own words, tell us a little bit more about you and your story. Yeah, happy to. So, um, I am at St. Joseph's healthcare Hamilton today as the director of digital solutions. And so, um, what that means is I have the privilege and the responsibility of supporting our informatics team, our clinical applications, our project management office, our analytics team, and our digital training team. And so um, I've been in this role for uh, close to two years now and um, have been on a journey and a growth journey professionally and personally at St. Joe's Healthcare Hamilton. And so um, it's been an interesting year and a half, certainly with the pandemic in terms of professional growth and personal sort of um, pivots in terms of how we live our lives today. Um, But I have been in healthcare for um, the better part of the last decade, Um, came through the MBA program, graduated in 2013. And between 2013 and 2015, when I ended up at St. Joe's, um, had an opportunity to work at a number of different hospitals uh, and provincial agencies in Toronto. And so I really actually began my career mostly in sort of the Toronto University Row, as they call it. So I um, had the chance to work at SickKids, University Health Network, and then spent 
about a year and a half at Cancer Care Ontario under their Reno, Ontario Renal Network Agency umbrella. So um, most of my professional career has been centered sort of in healthcare, mm-hmm. mostly looking at policy and project management, kind of fell into the digital aspect. So yeah. if somebody had asked undergraduate Andriana what she would be doing, and you told me that you'd end up in IT, I'd probably fall over on the floor laugh. Um, <laughs> I was a kinesiology grad. Uh, And so my vision and my mission was to become a physiotherapist. And that was my solid goal and aspiration until about uh, fourth year, actually rehab. So got pretty deep into the program and I was sitting one day in um, a rehab class and I realized I did not have the passion for bones and ligaments and injuries and uh, physio that many of my classmates that I was looking at did. And so made me think long and hard, um, mm-hmm. did some reflection and pivoting and never really looked back. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, I want to touch on the MBA first, and then we'll kind of get into, uh, more of kind of the post MBA life. Um, so I'm curious in terms of, you know, the MBA, um, as you kind of reflect on your experience at DeGroote, what were some of maybe the biggest learnings for you over that time or, you know, some of the biggest challenges that, you know, you, um, you faced over, uh, your time at DeGroote with the MBA? Yeah, that's a great question. And so I will tell you very bluntly that, mm-hmm. um, and can have people vouch and attest to this, including my parents and probably uh, other MBA colleagues that I wanted to quit week one in, I went so far as to email what was at that point in time, the center for CBCD. So it was the career development office. Mm-hmm to find out how I might be able to get my money back because it was such a shock for a kin kid who worked in small classes and did lots of independent studying and basically memorization and learning in a very different way to moving into, you know, two weeks of orientation, working in sort of diverse large groups, finding different sort of leadership roles within those groups, starting to realize that finance was going to be upon me and I was going to have to figure out accounting and finance and all these things that I'd really never ventured into. And so for me, I had a huge growth curve the first uh, semester of my MBA. Um, and the biggest challenge was really finding my way and learning or unlearning how to learn. So I was so stuck in my science way of learning things that I needed to open my mind up to um, what degree was going to be all about and what skills they were going to teach me uh, and prepare myself to be uncomfortable because again, it was a very uncomfortable experience and being vulnerable and mm-hmm. not knowing I'd never taken a business course before in my life. I took grade nine computers, whatever that was called, yeah. and learned <laughs> how to open like Word and Excel. So going from that to um, my MBA, where many of my peers had come from undergraduate degrees in commerce. Um, was certainly a shift, but I think it was a great opportunity to challenge my assumptions, mm-hmm. to leave my ego at the door, and to really embrace all that the group had to offer. Yeah, amazing. Like as you, if you look back, is there one moment? I'm sure there's there's multiple. Like, is there one moment that you feel like kind of defined your your MBA experience, or you know, one one that's yeah, a memory that's uh, the most, uh, I don't want to say a memory that's the most memorable, <laughs> but, you know, something that stands out. Um, there are a couple, but I was, 
I'm very heavily involved in NBA games. And so mm-hmm. I was on the executive for a number of years and competed over the course. And so um, had the pleasure of winning twice with the DeGroote team. And I think awesome. those events themselves were the pinnacles, I suppose. But I actually think the late night extracurricular meetings, the Tuesday night, let's go grab a drink or the Thursday night intramural water polo team that um, mm-hmm. I participated on were the sort of cumulative sort of pinnacle memories of, of uh, my time at DeGroote. So I think um, the social aspects of the program more so than what I learned perhaps in the class is what sticks out yeah. most to me um, from my experience. Yeah. Amazing. And I feel like that's kind of been my mindset as, you know, current MBA students, I feel like so much of the learning happens outside of the classroom. Like it's, it's those extra things that you're doing to, you know, get to know your classmates better, uh, network a little bit more. And I think really expose yourself to that diverse community that I think the group holds so closely. Um, so I feel like that's, that's at least been my approach is, you know what, like, I, I, I don't want to limit myself to just what's happening in the classroom. Like, I feel like an MBA just has so much, so many more things to offer. And I always said that like half the value is, is coming from those, those extra things that you take on, um, outside of your just nine to five standard class schedule. 100%. And I mean, I have, so my MBA is a specialization in health services management, Mm -hmm. and I ended up doing a minor in marketing. Mm-hmm. And so I actually wasn't part of what one might think an HSM student would participate in from an extracurricular um, perspective. So I wasn't part of the HSMA, so the association. I actually was part of um, sort of the student council group and the marketing association exec and mm-hmm. uh, the MBA games group. Because I think, again, exposing yourself to different people and, and different ways of thinking and working is what really makes the experience rich and is where you do honestly get most of the learning. And a lot of that extracurricular work or activity is work. So planning events, you know, figuring out how to effectively network or engage with sponsors. If you need sponsors for events, all of that um, translates so well and is so valuable once you're in the quote unquote real working world. Um, And you can't really learn that when you're just studying a textbook or doing simulations in class. hundred percent. Yeah, totally agree. Um, so I guess as you kind of reflect on, on the MBA and, you know, as you kind of moved into the next steps of your career, how do you feel like the MBA kind of played a role in you growing throughout your career, like coming in, um, you know, I know you started off with St. Joe's as, you know, the project analyst and then going up to the director level, how do you feel like the MBA played a role in that kind of career growth? So the MBA more so than the things I spoke about earlier, like the mm-hmm. accountings and the finances teaches you how to think. And I think that has, what has been so beneficial in my career journey and the promotions that I've been fortunate enough to sort of step into over time. Um, being able to critically think, analyze situations, understand who your subject matter experts are and and Mm -hmm. what you need to do from a change management perspective to bring people together to effectively grow and have teams work towards common goals are all skills that the MBA actually taught me both through classes and through those extracurriculars that we spoke about. So um, it's the MBA really provides you with that perspective and the fundamental tools, I would say, from uh, the soft skills, if you will, that, that are required of leaders 
who are going to sort of mature over time and want to lead successful teams and have teams that want to be led by them. Um, I think they, they teach that and they also, mm -hmm. you know, they taught me a lot about how to sort of lead with, you know, vulnerability and be accepting of fast failures. And um, oh. those are concepts and skills that I think the MBA teaches both in theory and, and practice and in the real world um, is what sets MBAs apart from people who perhaps have not had that schooling. For sure. Yeah. I think hundred percent, those are like softer skills. So if I want to learn how to analyze a balance sheet, like I can, I can figure that out. Like I can, uh, I can take like an online course or something like that, but I feel like those softer skills are, are much harder to develop. And like you were saying, like the leadership, the, you know, how to communicate, how to effectively manage stakeholders. Like those are, those are really important skills that I think the MBA really sets you up for and, uh, you know, gives you the opportunity to, to develop those things. hundred percent. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so, um, I'm curious because you know you, you've spent you know your career in in healthcare and and more recently have have somewhat pivoted to more of like a technology focus within healthcare. Um, so I'm curious, like as you were as you were kind of going throughout your career, how did you know when when it was right to maybe like make that next step, or what maybe caused that pivot from you know going into healthcare to you know what maybe I want to take a little bit more of a technology focus. And what maybe caused that that shift for you? Yeah, so great question. So prior to coming to St. Joe's, I was a planning analyst at the Ontario Renal Network and was working more in the policy and funding envelope space. Mm -hmm. And so um, for those listening, the Renal Network is in charge of coordinating chronic kidney disease, CKD services across the province. Um, and everything flows through that agency for coordinated sort of execution of programs. It was a great first full-time job for me out of my MBA because having the oversight from a provincial perspective into healthcare was invaluable. Like healthcare is complicated. It is such mm -hmm. a, it's complicated and it's complex in terms of how things work, how things are governed, funded, all that good stuff. But what I very quickly learned was that it's not what sparked my interest in my drive. And so what I actually loved was going out for site visits to the hospital partners that I was working with and engaging a little bit more closely with patients and providers and supporting them as best as I could on a day-to-day -day basis. And so I actually made the decision to, so I knew a couple of things. I knew um, what my you know personal value proposition or PVP was. I knew I was really good at bringing people together and, you know, finding sort of a way forward. I'm a bit of a taskmaster. So my project management skills, I think were being underutilized in the role I was in uh, and I wanted to develop them more. And I really did have a passion for that change management piece. And so I ended up making a lateral move, which, you know, coming out of your MBA, you think that you're the smartest person in the world. I did. And I spent a year and a half and had no growth at that one, you know, at the renal network and, you know, was pretty bummed about that. And so I left actually a little bit deflated and took an opportunity. I have roots and family in Hamilton and my mom was born at St. Joe's. So, you know, I've always known good things about St. Joe's. Mm -hmm. St. Joe's from a healthcare perspective, being an academic teaching center um, was always a place that I thought, you know, might be interesting to work in because of their innovation and um, some of the really cool work they were doing. So I took a lateral sort of risky move into um, a project analyst role in IT. 
And uh, when I went to the interview, I remember the manager that hired me at the time said, how do you feel about your IT skill set? And I very bluntly said, it's very minimal. Like, here's what I know about IT. Like, I know what the software development life cycle is. I can mm-hmm. recite some of that to you, but it's not my skill. And I spoke to what my strengths were. I thought I bombed the interview. I got a call back the next day that they wanted me. And I think haven't really looked back since and learned that just because it's IT doesn't mean that you don't need all of those soft skill practices to bring things together. And I really sincerely believe, and this pandemic has shown this, that um, digital is the future. And in healthcare, we are so sadly far behind. And one of the best ways I sincerely believe to make an impact on the care that we can provide to patients is by bringing their record and the workflows of clinicians together using a comprehensive digital system. And so mm-hmm. for me, it was the right fit. And uh, yeah, I never looked back from there. Yeah. Amazing. Um, so I'm, I'm very curious. Well, two things like you were saying, technology and healthcare and kind of the, the growth of, I guess the continued growth, I think of, of leveraging technology within the industry. If you were to maybe like fast forward a few years, like where do, where do you see um, the healthcare industry going from like a technology point of view? Love this question. So um, I'm quite passionate about the fact that we have a lot of work to do to continue to make sure that we're providing the right care at the right time at the right place. So we're pretty good at providing the right care, although we are very hospital centric in this province. We think that if you're sick, you have to come to a hospital. Um, COVID has shown us that that's not always the case. And so I think the trends that we'll see in the coming years will be a few. One will be remote monitoring. Mm -hmm. And so I'm actually doing a lot of work now to understand what different care pathways look like for remote monitoring. So how do we keep people who can be home home? What do we need to equip them with so that they can stay connected to their care team and so that their care team can be following up with them and triaging their care as appropriate? Um, And I think another really large emerging trend, one that this government is taking very seriously and a lot of the work that we are doing is focused around is interoperability. So how do we exchange information? How does information follow the patient as opposed to being siloed and fragmented in the system? So uh, a lot of focus on data standards and how we best can use health information exchange tools to support information flow from acute care settings to primary care settings to home care settings and to other settings like Mm -hmm. those that might be providing social services to these patients. So um, this is an exploding area. There's lots of different um, digital enablers that are starting to emerge. And I think it will be a very exciting time in healthcare in Ontario to watch and see where this goes. Yeah, hundred percent. That that's, that's amazing. Um, have you seen like over the last year and a half, I'm sure healthcare more than most, like healthcare is definitely, um, you know, it's, it's been a, I'm sure it's been a challenging kind of year and a half over this, this pandemic. Um, as you kind of look back over that experience, could you maybe speak to like what, what it's been like over the last year and a half? You speak to a little, you, you touched on a little bit about how, you know, technology has, has somewhat accelerated, um, within this, this past year and a half as well. Yes, I'm happy to. So maybe I'll start with one of my favorites. So I'm, I love Twitter yeah. and I always, yeah. I find like healthcare, Twitter, med Twitter, like it's got such good content. 
And so I saw, it was like probably about a year ago, this like image that went viral and it said, what has driven your digital transfer transformation at your organization? And it was like, A, your president, B, your chief information officer, C, your board, and like D, COVID-19 and it's circled and <laughs> large. Um, so it, it's been unreal to see how COVID has um, accelerated some of the digital work we've done. COVID, when it started last March, so I was one of the people who was planning to go on a cruise uh, in March of 2020 mm. and made it as far as Florida with my parents and my sister for my mom's 60th birthday celebration. And we obviously never boarded, uh, yeah. never boarded the boat. A uh, couple of days after we landed, you know, Trudeau said, Canadians come back there. We have a problem. I honestly thought that I'd spend two weeks in isolation at home and I'd be back at work and everything would be normal. I couldn't fathom the thought of not being on site with my team day yeah. in day out. So that first wave was a very scary one because no one really understood what was going to happen. Um, being in charge of our clinical systems, we had so many changes. We made over 150 changes to our system to support wow. COVID care in the first 60 days. And they're not little changes. It's like order sets. So how physicians order, you know, the drugs and the care required to care for these patients setting up surge spaces and surge beds as we anticipated to have additional ICU capacity needs, um, enabling virtual care rapidly. So we went from um, nine clinics using virtual care services at our hospital to 97 in wow. 48 hours. Wow. So it was just kind of go, 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 go. I wish I had journaled every day. I was exhausted and I don't think I would have had time to, but mm -hmm. I wish for that first wave, I had written down my thoughts because it's all kind of a blur to me. It was like 6 a.m. you'd start working and you'd go to 11 and then you'd sneak yeah. in a bit of sleep and some dinner. Um, then we got into wave two and uh, things, it was sort of the summer where, well, we were going into what was the summertime. We kind of got back to a little bit of more normalcy and then got hit with the second wave. We knew things a little bit better this time. So we were refining the work we were doing. And then uh, wave three was terrifying again. So this mm -hmm. past wave that hit us was just um, the scariest time of, you know, my career. I had to deploy my clinical staff back to units. So we were running a skeleton team. You know, we were building critical care triage tools into our system. Like it was really pretty awful. Um, and now as we've sort of come back to another lull and we've got vaccine clinics running and I had the pleasure of being part of that. Um, I think there's some light at the end of the tunnel and mm -hmm. um, I've ripped up our old digital health plan and strategy because so much has changed in 15 months that we now need to reset and understand what our new and emerging priorities will be and how we'll work in this new hybrid work model. So yeah. I have over 50 staff members, many of them I haven't seen in person in over a year. Wow. It's interesting it's been, times. Oh, for sure. It's been, uh, it's been a crazy year and a half. And I feel like, you know, I feel like this theme has come up in a few of your answers, but just like that, that resilience, I think is, uh, is a huge one. Like I, it, I think it takes an incredible amount of resilience, like to, to manage all of that in, in the past year and a half. 
but also like, you know, you went back to your MBA experience and that, that first couple of weeks, I think that shows an incredible amount of resilience as well. And, you know, as you were pivoting careers a little bit, it, I think it shows up there as well. So, you know, just in that, in this whatever, half an hour that it's been so far, um, I feel like that, that theme of resilience kind of con- continues to come up, um, again and again. Yeah, I think you, you have to put yourself in a position where you don't bring yourself out, mm-hmm. but you have to have enough sort of faith in, you know, what you believe is the right thing to do. And you've got to kind For of sure. balance it and move forward. It's, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it gets pretty tiring, but when you go back to sort of what you're guiding, um, North star is, if yeah. you will, it becomes a lot easier and working in a field that I love that I believe makes a difference, makes it, um, worth the, the late nights and the early mornings. Yeah. And, the frustrating meetings because they don't always go well. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for, uh, for sharing those experiences with us. Um, we're going to pivot a little bit. So one of the new things that we've started on this podcast is kind of like our charity segment. Um, yeah. so I feel like it's an, it's an awesome way just to learn what sort of charities are important to people. Um, and I feel like throughout this, I've gotten to learn about, and our audience has gotten to learn about so many amazing charities that you know, I may not have, uh, have known about, um, prior things that are, you know, locally for some of our international community, we have some international charities as well. Also, I think it's just really awesome to, uh, um, to learn about these, these great organizations, many of which I think, you know, when we go back to COVID, like over the last year and a half have, have also probably been, been struggling, um, a little bit. So I think just raising awareness is, is awesome. Um, so talk to us a little bit more about kind of the charity that, that you've chosen to highlight and, and why they're important to you. Thanks. I'd love to. So I'm going to highlight the YWCA Hamilton specifically today on the podcast. So tell you a little bit about them and why they're important to me. So their mission is to strengthen women and girls' voices, broaden their choices, build dynamic leadership, and provide essential and meaningful services that promote safe, inclusive, and equitable communities. And so what does that mean? Uh, they do all sorts of really good, important work, including providing um, women's housing and supportive services, uh, health and wellness services, child and youth services, immigration and settlement services, employment and developmental services. So um, they do an immense amount of work um, that all sort of embodies their values of equity, self-determination, inclusion, community and accountability. Um, And I've had the opportunity to be engaged with them in a number of different facets and see the good work that they do and the impact that it does have on all of the um, bright, brave uh, and brilliant women sort of in the Hamilton community and and the area. And so um, they really do amazing work. We know and we've seen and there's evidence to show that the uh, gender divide um, with COVID has actually increased. And mm-hmm. so we've seen that it's been women who have had to take on the additional burden of um, overwhelmingly, and there's still men that are doing good work too, but women have overwhelmingly, when you look at the data, um, had to either leave their jobs or take on more um, work and balance their, their, their children and their families at home and have all yeah. those responsibilities. And so the YWCA Hamilton is on overdrive supporting all of this work. Um, and I think that the work that they do is, is very valuable and, and worth uh, discussing. 
Yeah. Amazing. Definitely some, some extremely important work that, that they're doing. So thank you for highlighting them. And, uh, you know, to our audience, we'll make sure to link the website, tag them on social media. So make sure go check them out, learn more about, uh, some of the awesome work that, that they're doing. Amazing. Thank you for sure. Um, so now I, I want to talk a little bit more about kind of leadership. Um, and I'm curious, who are some of the, the leaders that you've worked with over, uh, over your career so far, um, that have made an impact on you? Is there anything, you know, any big key takeaways that you learned about, you know, from their leadership style that you've tried to apply to your own, um, as you, as you've kind of grown throughout your career? That's a great question. So yes, there are a few leaders that stand out um, in my career that I'll, I'll touch upon. And so um, one is actually another MBA grad, but about 15 years before me. So she was actually the first individual who ever hired me for um, a co-op placement. So I did the co-op MBA program and I was one of the kids who had a very straw dog resume. I had come out right from undergrad and I will never forget December 16th, finding out that I had finally been placed with someone. And so this individual was right before my last econ. It was, econ was the last exam semester. Mm-hmm. And two hours before I got an offer letter uh, sent my way. And so it was the most exhilarating moment of my life because I was certain I was going back to school and wouldn't be placed into a, a work semester. Um, so this individual, I, I don't admire her because she gave me a chance only. I think that was very kind of her, but Um, I was so fortunate to get to work with her uh, and Mm -hmm. have continued to be mentored by her um, all these years later. So she works in healthcare as a director at another hospital Um, and her pragmatic approach to leadership, her ability to walk the fine line of um, supporting her team, but moving along, you know, visionary work that can be challenging to do has been something I've always admired and understanding her journey and the vulnerability that she's shared in terms of her successes and her failures with Mm -hmm. me have been instrumental for my learning. Um, Everywhere I go, I have an opportunity to sort of see how leaders work and how they engage their teams. And so um, I've learned what to do and what I like and what I think I want to embody. And I've also learned what I have, you know, come to accept is not my style. And just because it's not my style doesn't mean that it's not a a good form of leadership. It's just not how I think I'm best positioned to build a team to be Mm -hmm. successful. And so um, most recently I report to a very strong wise um, vice president and her leadership style is very different than many other bosses have had in the past. Um, And her, her wisdom, her ability to understand how to navigate some of the complexities of healthcare her impeccable networking skills. This woman knows absolutely everybody in the industry Mm -hmm. Um, and her trust in me are all sort of items that I think are incredibly important and valuable. And so she always tells me we have a weekly one-on-one, what do you need from me? Um, So she really does demonstrate sort of servant leadership. And that's something that I have been working to um, cultivate in my own leadership style over the last number of years. And so um, my job is to remove barriers from my team yeah. to make them successful. I'm there to set the vision. I am not there to micromanage. I will accept the blame if things go wrong, but I need to make sure that my team feels supported to do the good work that they are hired to do. And I have a very diverse team, right? I've got mm-hmm. clinicians, I've got engineers, I've got business students, I've got 
um, architects. I have all sorts of different uh, individuals on my team with rich, diverse educations and backgrounds. Um, and they're smarter than me at the job that they do. So I've taken that pretty seriously and building an environment where I'm there to serve them and make sure that they can be successful yeah. uh, and make their lives a little bit easier and fun and make sure that they feel motivated to come to work. Those are the things that I've seen in leaders that um, I've been fortunate enough to report to mm-hmm. or work with um, that I've continued to uh, work on for myself as a leader. Amazing. I love that thought of like servant leadership. So I feel like, especially, you know, when, as you, as you grow and as you get up to those higher levels, like you're no longer as much of an individual contributor and like your, your success depends on making the people around you successful. Um, so I feel like that, that's, that's actually like, I, I looked over here. Um, cause I have, I have that kind of written on my whiteboard. Like I have, oh, do you? yeah, I have, I have like, what did I do today to help move someone else closer to their goal? Um, so I keep these questions just on my whiteboard here. Cause I, I hundred percent am aligned with kind of what you just said. It's like, if I, I feel like me... if I want to be a successful leader, I have to think about, you know, how can I make the people around me successful and how can I help them achieve their, their own goals? I don't mean to sound corny, but you're actually giving me goosebumps because to me, like, that's what a leader does. Mm-hmm. Like you have, there's other responsibilities and there's HR responsibility that we haven't talked about and other things that you need to do yeah. if you're responsible and in charge, but to be aspirational and to be able to build a team that wants to stay mm-hmm. and do their best work to me is what a leader should be doing. And so, sure. yeah, it's. I mean, I haven't figured it all out yet. So if you've got some tips for me, <laughs> I'd love to hear them, but you learn every day and hundred percent. you figure out what works and what doesn't and you write them down like you do and you save yeah. those thoughts for the next challenge as it arises. For sure. And like you're saying, I, th- I feel like those are the leaders when we come across those people that, that like genuinely care about our growth, our development and, you know, have that kind of servant leadership and are, are want to help support us in, in achieving our goals um, both in, in like the work setting and kind of beyond that as well. I feel like those are the leaders that, at least to me, they, they, those are the ones that stand out the most. Those are the ones that, you know, I, I definitely remember the most. Um, and yeah, like, I, I feel like with leadership, it's, you know, you don't have all the answers, but you kind of, you figure it out as you, uh, as you go. hundred percent. Yeah. Amazing. Um, so as we kind of get closer to, to wrapping things up, I feel like there's been so many amazing kind of uh, pieces of knowledge that, and, and lessons that you know I've taken away from from just learning more about your story. If there was kind of one message that you want to leave current students with, um, so the majority of people that listen to this podcast are current MBA students. Um, there's a few others um, not currently in the MBA, but like uh, other kind of young professionals and, and really just other professionals. And then that's probably like. I'd say 80% are, are current students, about 15% are, are other professionals. Um, and the rest is probably just like my mom and, <laughs> and uh, you got to have friends the parental family, support. You know? I love it. No, it's great. Yeah. You got to have the diverse support. So if there is yeah. one kind of key lesson um, or takeaway that, that you would want current MBA students to, to walk away from this podcast from, what would it be? I think it's keep your mind open to all of the experiences and learnings that are coming your way through the program and don't make preconceived assumptions or draw conclusions when the journey isn't over yet. So sure. 
there's lots of time. Uh, the MBA is such a gift. It really is. It's an expensive one, but it's a good gift <laughs> to have. Um, and those lessons will, the good, the bad, and the ugly ones will carry with you for years to come. I love it. Be open to, uh, to all the experiences that are, are coming your way. That's a, I think that's a great one to, um, to kind of close on. Um, actually, sorry. I, I, I always, I always, I sometimes forget this question, but I think it's a very important one because I feel like, especially in a virtual world, it's very easy to stick to kind of the professional, um, like career journeys, things like that. But I feel like there's so much more that defines an individual than just kind of their job or, you know, what they're doing from a work point of view. So I'm curious outside of, outside of work, um, you know, when you get to, when you get to, you know, log off for the day, go home, you're, you're done for the day from a work point of view, what do you like to do for fun? What's some, what are some of the stuff that you like to do uh, and get up to outside yeah. of work? Oh, all the typical stuff that people like to do. So, mm-hmm. you know, hanging with your friends and family and other loved ones is super important to me and mm-hmm. um, fostering those relationships. But one pandemic hobby that came my way um, that I will probably, I hope I will carry with me for the rest of my life is the home workouts. So nice. we've talked a lot about work and grit and resiliency. You've got yeah. to have an outlet for all that stuff. And so I became one of the Peloton converts. So I, <laughs> nice. I got a Peloton bike, uh, like a year, almost a year and a half ago now. Um, and I've loved it. So carving out sort of 30, 45 minutes a day for myself to get on my bike or do a strength workout or, you know, yoga, if I'm, you know, working on the flexibility, mm-hmm. I think has been really, um, important for my wellness and, um, mental health for sure. And giving me that outlet, but I mean, excited to hit the patios now that we're in yeah. phase three. And we can do some of that too, for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Great way to, uh, kind of balance, like you were saying, balance your mental health and just balance your, I think, overall wellness. Um, and, and super important to, uh, to, to not forget that, um, especially while, you know, in this more of a remote setting, it's, I think it's easy to kind of lose, lose sight of that at times. It's so important. And it's another lesson I think I missed in my MBA journey. Mm-hmm. So taking that time to do those things, you know, even when you have 10 assignments due in 48 yeah. hours is important because, For sure. you know, you've only got one body, you've got to treat it right. hundred percent. Awesome. Well, Andriana, you're out of the hot seat. If you Amazing. have any questions for me, now would be the time. Okay. Uh, I got a couple. So we started, right. we started talking about the Olympics. So let's go back. Are you a summer or an Olympic, a summer or a winter Olympics fan? Ooh, I'm a huge basketball fan. Um, so I always go summer Olympics cause I, I just, I love watching basketball. Um, All right. So I, I don't follow as many of like the, the other Olympic sports as closely, like I follow hockey in the winter. Um, but all, all the other ones, not, not too, too much. I, I'll like check out the highlights and, and check out the medal rankings and things like that. But I'd say because I'm, I'm such a big basketball fan, I'd, I'd say probably summer. Love it. Good answer. I'm also summer. So that's where I'm nice. there. Um, we'll go with two music related ones too. Okay. So Spotify or Apple music. Ooh, Spotify. I'd go with Spotify. You're a Spotify person. Yeah. Okay. I'm an Apple. And then we'll go back to keep it local. So Drake versus the weekend. Ooh, that is a fantastic question. <laughs> um, oh, that's a hard one to pick. I feel like I would go with Drake. Um, Drake, but it, it's very, very close. Uh, but I think I have to give Drake the edge right now. 
Uh, that's fair enough. I hear the weekend's got a new uh, album coming out sometime soon. He's been oh, that might uh, back that to might Twitter. He's been tweeting right his yeah. There's <laughs> the dawn is coming. Who knows when? Yeah, hasn't said when, but it's coming. Yeah, I feel like I'll switch up my answer maybe when that uh, when that album comes. You've Whatever's got to most wait recent. To hear you know? what he's got. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> I was. Uh, I heard Drake is like the number sixth or seventh um, for 2020, pro- like most profiting artist, and he hasn't released an album in like what is it two years now. Oh, wow. So you can see his longevity and how popular he is. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I may change my answer. And the only reason, uh, yeah, I might change it to weekend and it has nothing to do with music. Um, It is because, so when I, uh, like a few years ago, I I came across this organization called House. Um, It is. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. So it's like a, it's like an incubator. It's an art collective. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah which is, it's, it seemed like the coolest idea to me. Um, and I used to work for, for Microsoft before I I started the MBA and like Microsoft was a partner, uh, with, with house. So I feel like because of that reason, I feel like I might, I'm going to give the edge to the weekend just because, you know, really, again, going back to giving back to the community, um, helping to support other creatives and helping them, you know, develop. Um, I feel like that, that's just such a, a really cool thing that I haven't seen many other, like musical artists or, or others kind of do anything close to that. Um, so, you know, go check out house if to all the audio, to all, all the people listening to this, it's a, it's a really awesome thing that, uh, um, that I think the weekend, uh, the weekend had started. Yeah, it's very cool. And I think they actually mm-hmm. recently received some federal funding yeah, to support some more artists. So they're, they're doing some really cool stuff, which yeah, good to support local talent for sure. For sure. Yeah. So, um, music wise, maybe Drake, but overall I'm still sticking with the, I'm sticking with the weekend now. This is sounding like an MBA, like decision matrix needs to be pulled together. (laughs) Come up with some criteria and some waiting. Yeah. I need a whiteboard over here for a little while. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't be a bad business case looking at the two, but anyways, Uh, I think those are the questions I've got for you. Awesome. I love those. Um, well, Andriana, thank you so much for joining the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure having you, um, on the show. If someone has questions, if someone wants to reach out to you, learn more, a little, a little bit more about you, your story, uh, things like that, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Yeah, absolutely. So always happy to connect with, um, MBA students and others that are just figuring out their journey. Um, I do have LinkedIn. So Andriana Lukic on LinkedIn is a good way to get me. Also, as I've said, do love Twitter. So you can find me at Andriana Lukic on Twitter and I'm happy to connect that way as well. But um, Chirag, it's been such an awesome evening chatting and best of luck on your future endeavors. And um, we'll definitely for sure keep in touch. And then we'll have to re-commiserate and figure out where we landed on the Drake versus Weekend uh, yeah. discussion. We'll touch base again when the uh, when the new albums drop, but then uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll whiteboard it out and, <laughs> and find a solution. We can bring some other alumni that you've had on podcast podcast together, yeah. and we'll we can uh, we can knock this one out for sure. Oh, I'm sure I'm sure Nav has uh, has some strong opinions. On, I think on this I can. One, I so. feel like he has strong opinions about this one for sure. For sure, awesome, Andriana. Well, thank you again for joining the podcast, and yeah, we'll definitely be chatting soon. Sounds good. Take care. Thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. If you want to get in touch, you can find us on Instagram at Building Digital Community, or you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn or on Twitter at Chirag24. I'll see you next time. Take care and stay safe.